0: I read somewhere that the number one component of a successful podcast is a written script. So today for the first time, I'm trying that out. You're trying a script for the intro and in quotes, make delivery really wooden here. Pause for uproarious laughter resume. So good afternoon and welcome to the shed dogs podcast boys. (laughs) If by some happy chance, you're a first time listener. Whoever put you onto us can tell you we're three old guys who've known each other for a half century who get together periodically to chat. It's conversation, argument, entertainment, and information punctuated by actual knowledge. We've been doing this for about 118 episodes over three and a half years, so becoming famous is clearly not top of our agenda, but having a few laughs, touching base with our listeners, our listeners know each other, definitely is. So now we start.
1: Well.
2: All right. What do we got, guys?
1: <laughs> um, I did get an email from Shauna Sylvester yesterday because she listened to that thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And she hadn't heard it before. And she said, Hi to the Shed Dogs.
2: Hi, Shauna. Hi, Shauna. And I listen to the first half. I still haven't. Now, does your dad show up more in the second half?
1: Yeah. He's all the second half. Oh,
2: well, I haven't heard that yet then.
1: It's, and it's weird to listen to him cause he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. First of all, <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, what I like about part, you find that
0: odd, do you? <laughs> what I liked about his part was like, I've heard Moby talk like this my whole life as sort of a semi joke, but he's describing the process. Well, you got your twelve-ton bucket, and you put your stuff, and everything is you're this and you're that, you know. Like, well, you got your heater; you got to keep that at one eighty, or else the stuff will get a little too thin, and you know. And you got your
2: truck, and you, don't they both got just sound like nineteen fifties Canadians, huh?
1: Well, uh, yeah, like news. They they sort of have a newscaster in their head because they're being recorded, and they think, well, I should I should sound like the guys on the news. Is taken up and dropped into your burners or your dryers, and in your dryers it is heated and dried out. Uh, you have to get ninety-five uh, percent of the moisture out of your aggregate, and you have to heat it oh, about ten degrees. Uh, cadence and everything—it's really quite well, fun. And the guy who does the interview, so especially him, right?
2: What we I- could do is link the whole thing, or link—I guess we'll link the whole thing.
0: Okay, so listeners, just to be clear, what we're talking about is an audio clip that Moby got from somewhere.
1: I don't know, where'd you get that? Uh, Uncle Dennis had it, and Patty got it from him. Okay, he's,
0: or- uh, he's, it's a recording of a radio interview of Shauna Sylvester's dad and KJ's dad, who founded a paving company in the early 60s together, and the reporter is there to ask them about their fabulous... It's opening day. Ah, their fabulous new... Asphalt manufacturing technology capabilities. So this is in the Coonies in Trail audience. I don't know, ten thousand tops. And this reporter just sounds like, you know, he's Walter Cronkite. Yeah, he's going to be the next thing. He's, well, just step over here. He's really (laughs) Mister Professional guy. He's got the sauce going and everything. And then the two, the two interviewees are also as rich as. KJ said, or RJ said, they're all about the professional sounding replies. It's just pretty yeah,
1: fun. And I guess Shauna has a, a, a video of some sort, oh. probably a super eight of that same day oh. or or opening day that she says, uh, I don't know if she's going to, if she said she'd try to get that to me.
2: Yeah. So I don't think we've mentioned to our listeners, this was recorded to a disc, to a
1: record. Vinyl. Vinyl. And, and 78. Yeah,
2: seventy-eight RPM lacquer. I think they were called. Really, yeah.
1: And it would be on site, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. You get the machine. The machine's not. It's like a overly large record player. Yeah. My buddy Rocky's dad had one, and we used to play with it. So we'd record ourselves and then play it back later. But I think uh, I think it'd be a heavier recording unit. Don't know if the needle was heated. I would imagine it would be right.
1: And what would you what would you pay for a disc? Oh, I don't know. Probably not.
2: Not enough to make it to have Rocky's dad tell us not to do it.
1: Yeah. So it'd be like pennies or.
2: Yeah. I'm sure it was cheap. Yeah. Yeah. The sound
0: quality in that interview was pretty good. And if you listen to. That's what it was done with, especially good.
2: And there's a certain moment, at least one, there's probably several where you hear this. And, and it's, it's where they actually stopped the machine and then started up again. Oh. and you can actually hear the things yeah it's slowed down and then sped up again um so you hear the inverse of that
0: wow so this is a stupid question but in some probably i don't know what books old books they would talk about a wire recorder
2: yeah, wire recorders. Is this a wire recorder? No, wire recorders are really on the same principle that tapes okay. are. They get the the wire gets magnetized. It's fairly thin, flexible wire. Yeah. And just one strand and it gets magnetized. Okay. Yeah. So this really that interview was done on a cutting direct to disk. Yes. Yes.
0: Wow. Jeez. That's awesome. That's as interesting as the whole rest of it, pretty much.
2: Yeah, so we'll put that uh, we'll put a link to that and uh, you guys will be able to hear that. I might and, go listen uh, again
0: just to hear that thing turned off and on.
2: For so, those of you that know KJ's dad, you can start around, well, listen to the whole thing, but about halfway through is when his yeah. main part is.
1: What, what Was it 16 minutes?
2: Yeah. So uh, the, short anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he's at, at the nine minute mark. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. About halfway through.
2: And I'll put that in the show notes where he starts. Yeah, so Lytton, so Sue and I oh. came through Lytton only, what was it, a week and a half ago? Yeah. We stopped off at the little uh, coffee shop there and bought a couple nice little toques for our new uh, niece and, oh, I guess their nephews. <laughs> well, those
0: Ooh. will be collector items.
2: Yeah, so those two toques, yeah, that's right. They're they're made by natives and it's really cool. They had a couple, uh, like almost like spirit animals on them. And then, yeah, so that place burnt to the ground, completely gone. The whole, the whole downtown's gone, right? The whole city's gone. Wow. Just,
1: woof, what a thing
0: though. I have
2: just gone.
1: Boy, that's just a picture of
0: the before and after.
2: <laughs> Holy
1: shit. Yeah, that was amazing. Just, rah. I mean,
0: 49 and a half degrees. I don't know if anybody needs this context, but when we were down in the Grand Canyon, Got all these skull and crossbone pictures up on the rim of the Grand Canyon saying, don't go down there because like 45 degrees, you could die. Yeah. And it's 49 and a half in Lytton.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, because at a certain temperature, it's around, I think, 52 or so maybe, you actually can't cool. Your body is incapable of cooling anymore. So if your body had water on it that evaporated, it wouldn't cause any cooling at that point. Oh, wow. And you know, and, and then fans, if you're running fans, when it's super hot, they'll make you hotter. Really? Like, so yeah, they, once you get, so the temperature outside is hotter than your core body temperature, yeah. it's starting to raise your temperature. It's oh. so it's, oh like on that trip, we went through
0: Vegas and we came out of wherever we were staying. It was 44 degrees out and it was just like, just like a furnace. Oh, I can't imagine 49 and a half.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, Burnaby was 42, I think. And it was, yeah. I thought back to our trip down there and I I think I sent you the photo of the car yeah. temperature. Yeah. And we going it was, it was 40. yeah, it was 40 at that point on a bridge and we were going, oh, this is like a blast furnace. Yeah. I, oh, I just yeah. cannot imagine. We're we're so fortunate. Of course, your basement level to start with. It was awesome. Moby, what was the temperature? Where did you go to get the most comfortable? Where did you?
1: Here was fine.
2: Right here in the
1: garage. Yeah. yeah. yeah this is basically the ground here. Yeah. The floor in there got 80 to 80 degrees. <laughs> the floor.
0: Well, I noticed after about four days that it started to be warm in my place. And I think it's because all the concrete of the entire foundation yeah. is finally warming oh, up. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. right, right. Uh-huh. So hot. I hope uh-huh. that's, like, generally I'm okay with heat because I live where I live mainly, I think.
2: But yeah, our basement peaked at 23 and a half Celsius. Yeah, that's not about where mine would have yeah. done too. It's not so. bad,
0: right? No.
1: Ellen Morgan had to take a bus up to Christine Lake. <laughs> It, did you know that there's a bus that runs Vancouver Caslow Return? No. Who no. runs it? Uh, I don't a, know. A pa- private? Yeah, something yeah, private. Like not you not know, a sort of a 20-seater thing.
2: Oh, one of those. That's what I was thinking when Greyhound went under. I thought, come on, people will yeah, spring yeah. up. They'll yeah. charge more.
1: No AC. But no AC. And man. he went up on Sunday. Oh, my God. Wow. serious, you know, among other things. So but all
2: the windows wide open. Just, yeah. Yeah. that wouldn't help at
1: all. And no, no, yeah. not really. No. I came down you've, the you've, day before. We've
2: been on trips like those, right? Well, because, like all I say, once it gets above a certain temperature, yeah. that airflow it's it's worse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about worse, but it's
0: no cooling effect for like you know. When you're a kid or when you were with our little kids, you go up there, you roll all the windows down. All you're just getting is hot air buffeting your face yeah. instead of hot air not buffeting yeah. your face. Yeah. Like, just, Jesus, No air. Oof. No I thought you were going to say the AC they had and it was totally inadequate. Because, you know, those things, they'll have AC for a certain size, like, camper van thing. Yeah. But not for it a great big the, the three fiber
1: people in the front row.
0: Yeah. Not for a big fiberglass bodied 16 passenger
1: cool beans oh and another one um uh because uncle tom was up at the lake and he said oh he said i want to call you guys (laughs) when we were talking about ian playing hockey
0: oh yeah yeah
1: (laughs) that's all me right like ian's been out of school for I don't know, two years now or three years. He's a professional hockey player. That's oh. what he is. Oh. And he, he I, th- I thought, for because <laughs> he got COVID when he went down, he played that day. I thought he was playing his sort of last game with his university team. But I think what happened was he, his last game was maybe at the university, but it was probably a beer league game. Yeah. And for some reason, I thought he was representing the University of Saskatchewan or Regina or whatever it is, down south. And he, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I got that all wrong. So he's down there making money, and he'll probably go to Europe in the fall.
2: Is he on a farm team? Yes. Yep. But
0: you usually go to Europe if you don't think your prospects of getting into the NHL are that great. Isn't that how that goes?
1: Uh, perhaps. And I believe in at his caliber they make way more money in europe
0: yeah like i was just gonna say don't anybody misunderstand this you gotta be pretty much nhl caliber to get into the european leagues too. yeah yeah and yeah i have always heard that they paid better as well yeah so. he might be able to get into the nhl it's just not worth it maybe
2: got a couple pieces of uh, listener mail lay well, him on us rj
1: we're always happy to hear from listeners. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I do I'm like really, hearing I'm
0: really losers. excited. Especially because, you know, Rich is going to read him It's oh, the best part. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like Fireside. Fireside Al. While he's doing that, I'll just tell you, I rode 108 kilometers yesterday in an orange shirt.
1: Good for you. That's and a-
0: it turns out that that's about... 25 kilometers beyond what you should be doing my reasonable
1: limit yeah right now that is a quite a long way isn't it yeah I've ridden
0: distances like that any number of times in the past but I'm not in good enough shape I, I made it and there wasn't any disasters or tragedies but I the last 20 kilometers were just a death march <laughs> Do I have enough water left? I can't push too hard in this hill,
1: or I'll cramp.
0: Am I cramping? Fairly
2: hot still yesterday. No, actually, it was ideal.
0: ideal.
1: It was way better because of the cloud, right? Yeah,
0: it was ideal. Right, we left dead early, like we were riding at quarter to eight in the morning.
1: But like it's quite warm right now. No, on the drive yesterday, lots of lots of orange shirts on the drive yesterday.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it was uh, pretty fun to see my friends. And
1: uh, tell us your route. Is it all? Is it all fairly flat?
0: No, it's 1,000 meters of climbing all in, which is kind of the same as going up Cyprus. Jesus. Yeah, it was a lot. And uh, like I said, I was sort of okay, but those last 20 were skinny. Don't <laughs> I was just in over my head for those last... So not,
2: 100K is a long... It is. It's oh a long right, ways to go. Yeah.
1: You like, don't be hurting yourself.
0: No. And I mean, the guys to ride with are all my age. They're not like they're young bucks. They're guys like me. They just ride. They're just stronger, better, faster riders than me
2: that's all <laughs> i'm gonna go go into the kootenays with glenn on a road trip and uh mike says i gotta ride his uh his new fancy bike
1: you got oh, it oh man do it do, it's do got it electric
2: it. electric bike yeah oh an e-bike Holy, oh, yeah.
1: that's all there is up there
2: Really? yeah that's what people that's buy now
1: all there is and i i don't know somebody said i don't know if it was my brother he said three grand or something. I don't. I think that's wasn't. I think he's a six, but Mike's, yeah, it's easily Mike's eleven. Yeah, something like that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Al at the lake, ten something.
0: Yeah, no, three is low end for an e bike. Yeah, I, I think mean,
1: I have a ne- nephew, cousin in law, I guess, who has a like a thirteen thousand dollar. Like
0: really, people? Well, there's some fun. Oh, we won't defer or delay our e- listener mail no, for no. too long, but there's some pretty fun things to observe about e bikes too, right? for instance i don't know how many you guys have seen just kind of kicking around but there's some that have giant balloon tires right yeah mm-hmm. oh i've seen
2: those yeah and they're
0: they're intended theoretically to be uh, ridden in winter conditions that's why they have such huge displacement tires but check out for your edification and amusement the nature of person that usually rides those kind of bikes they're nearly always guys that look like they would rather be riding a skateboard or would rather have you think that they're used to riding a skateboard. They're not guys who bought those bikes so they could up their exercise level. They bought them like cheap motorcycles, right? Yes. Can I ride this
2: thing? And you don't
0: little... need a license for it. No, them. and and they, they, they're not in it for the exercise. They're in it for the cool factor and the transportation, right?
2: Yeah, apparently they have to be designed so that um, it there's a realistic chance that you can pedal them. Yeah. Like some of them were so you could just tell that it was even difficult to pedal. <laughs> the <laughs> pedals weren't placed in a obvious yeah. so they got kinda like outlawed. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Well in those big balloon tire ones, they must weigh like sixty pounds yeah, or something. I know, I know. If the battery ever went on those, you're walking. They're, Hercules they're, couldn't ride that. Well, their range them. must be pretty short
2: too. Unless no they idea. have a super heavy battery.
1: Yeah. Well, uh eight hours is what I'm hearing.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. not for these big balloon tire No, 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 but, no, for, but yeah. just
1: a regular. Yeah, no, Tom rides his out to the golf course and yeah. back and all I'm, the time.
0: I just should add, since I just sounded pretty disparaging there, I'm all in favor of e-bikes. Oh, yeah. Like even those big stupid balloon things, at least that guy is out there moving his or her legs. Yeah. However minimally you have to do it on that kind of bike, a little bit of exercise is way better than zero.
2: Yeah. And I get the perception that people who are already in a riding like Mike, um, they don't just go good. I can work less for the same ride. All they do is they end up riding faster. Yeah. So they, you know, they're working maybe some, maybe a little bit less, but similar amounts to before, but they're going further. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool idea. You're definitely working
0: less insofar as you cover the greater distance, but at any given moment, you are breathing just as hard as if you were going the short distance on a regular bike. That's right, right?
1: less less
2: per per kilometer, exactly. but but you could easily be working just as much.
1: Yeah, Toms is a uh, power assist because you can get them where you just turn them on, press the button, and they'll go right. Yeah, but yeah. you have to be pedaling for this exactly. And I think
0: the great majority of them that are sold are that kind. They're they're people that do want to get exercise, but yeah. they don't want to take on the
2: whole thing of yeah. Let's face it. Climbing a hill on a regular bike is just a drag. But like you, Mike feels that he's at the bottom of his rider group in terms of ability. And what he doesn't think I ever said that. Yeah, you I, say bitch? it all the time, constantly. I said it the group I'm in, yeah, not in yeah. my age. No, I said your rider group, the group that you're in. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so he really likes it because he feels he's holding them up quite a bit. Yes, that's and that's a true thing too. Yeah. They're, they're
0: really good for that. People are way more comfortable participating. And again, back to the original thing, if you're going to get out there, that's way better than not getting out there. You know, like.
2: Yeah, totally. Because let's face it. When you hear that all well, all levels welcome. Yeah. That's always bullshit. It is. Yeah. And so it's, it's (laughs) the ability for you to, to be able to have fun knowing that the others are having as much fun because they don't have to wait for you all the time.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I'm, I'm pretty in favor of e-bikes in general. I, it took me a while to get over the Oh, you're cheating. But, oh, well, you know, like for the first, Part of the pandemic period, I'd see one of those things going up mountain highway by my house, pretty steep hill. And I've ridden that hill a lot of times because that's where I live. Right. And somebody's just zooming up there. And I think, oh, you're cheating. You're a dirty run. I know. Because I'm just struggling up there. Right. Anybody who sees me riding up there, no, that guy's struggling. <laughs> like they know. Yeah. But really great
2: absolutely great because whoever's going up there are moving their legs it's like when you see those skateboarders and you go man their technique's great they're accelerating uphill (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah.
0: that but it's better for everybody it's better for health costs it's better for quality of life it's better for everything if people just get whatever level of exercise increased it's Mm -hmm. just better
2: okay we got a couple pieces of listener mail here this is nancy from new westminster Hi guys, I really like your idea of capturing the stories of our elders. Interestingly enough, I just finished doing a film documentary with Real Youth where school age students learn filmmaking by interviewing LGBTQ2S plus seniors. Now I don't know all those letters. Two Spirit. Uh, two Spirit. Ah, that's the two S. Okay, gotcha. They have to produce a two to three minute video on our stories. The series is called Troublemakers, and it is such a great experience. The Japanese Nikkei Center did a series a few years ago of recording the stories of the elders, especially those that came through the relocation process. So uh, she gives us a uh, link to realyouth.ca, uh, R E E L youth.ca, and we'll include that link in the show notes. She goes on to say, I think about my family and my grandparents. They would not talk about anything. I think they believed that skeletons and other stories should stay in the closet. My grandmother refused to talk about her family or how she came to Canada. My Japanese grandfather never talked about his past. And with respect to his military history, he was sworn to a 50-year secrecy act. However, it would have been great to interview my mother and father. Their old photos tell stories, but I have to make up the punchlines. I wish they could have recorded their truths. I can't believe two of you have not seen 9 to (laughs) 5. Your reading was pretty funny, and I encourage you to actually see it. It was ahead of its time and really well done. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Nancy. Nice note.
0: A couple episodes ago, we offered to do interviews for people that wanted to get their elders, is what we were thinking, talking. We've had a couple of letters saying good idea, but we haven't had anybody express any interest in actually doing it. Just want to encourage you, take advantage of that because we do have some idea what we're doing. We can get it out in some format that you'll be able to use and listen to at your leisure. So do it. And I'm really pleased with Nancy and that project, the Real Youth thing. I'm really glad they have, like I'm uncomfortable offering the service we would offer to Indigenous people because it's not our story but they're teaching indigenous youth how to do that for their elders. I think that's fantastic. That's Mm -hmm. a real good idea Mm -hmm. because that whole business needs to be kept alive and vibrant as much as possible. Yeah. So
2: much of that wasn't written down. Oh,
0: wasn't even allowed to be spoken about.
2: Like I read uh, the bulk of a study done in 1907 on the uh, residential schools and the guy talked at length about tuberculosis And that was just a disaster. Like some schools, it's over 50% dead, more typical 30 to 40% dead. And it's just the weirdest thing to read that report. Like, well, the report mentions that the, the administrative staff in half these schools don't understand ventilation. And it's just like nothing in the report says, so maybe we ought to be rethinking this whole program. It's not, doesn't even have a hint of that.
0: I could be wrong, but I think those same reports acknowledge that those death rates were way higher than for uh, white populations outside residential schools. Oh, yeah. They they
2: knew that those rates of death. And yet death was uh, preferable to having a non, uh, you know, they just wanted the culture to be European based, to be what what we come to call Canadian, came to call Canadian, which was... uh, particular flavor of European culture.
0: Our listening group probably hasn't heard too much of this up until the last few years, in spite of the truth and reconciliation stuff and all that, I encourage you to listen, but you will hear stuff in in our demographic. You will hear stuff like, Oh yeah, there's all those bodies buried, but most of them died of TB. They didn't die of direct abuse. And I encourage you to not accept that as any kind of rationalization for the existence of those schools a, why were they there in the first place? B, why did they die at a rate so far up above white people? And C, why weren't their families The whole thing doesn't, there's no way to rationalize that as not outrageous. So don't allow it to happen in the conversations you have. Just yeah. don't. Don't hesitate to speak to people who would like to pretend that nothing bad happened or to speak to people who would like to pretend that nothing bad is still going on in terms of consequences from all of that. But do hesitate in terms of suggesting what is best to move forward with reconciliation. Don't act as though you know what's the best thing to fix these problems. Let indigenous people do that. They're the only ones who are going to be able to tell us what the hell it's going to take. I have no idea what it's going to take, but they're the guys to suggest that. White politicians, probably not the guys to
1: do that. All right. Before you move on, back to Nancy. Mm Mm-hmm. So Alan Morgan's in here the other day, and he was a part of the Real Youth Project. Oh, cool! And he hears Nancy say something about the shed dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he says, "Did you just say the shed dogs?"
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. We hit the big time. Oh, (laughs) it's all the parts are coming together, aren't they? Yeah.
1: So he said it's pretty cool because they he was paired up with a 16 year old. I'm going to say female. I I got to be careful about that in that whole group too, right? Yeah. And what they do is, I think they're film students, and they interview the elder and make a little yeah. three-minute movie of it. Which I he, think is
0: fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I really like the idea that him and Nancy ran across each other's path. Yeah, That's yeah. That's very fun.
1: Yeah.
2: Uncle Rob from Saskatoon writes, now he's up to episode 47. He's on fire. <laughs> Marsh rat clears a stump. Ah, yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, In that episode, we talked a little bit about how we might play with uh, Mercury as kids in uh, science class or whatever. He says, well, the Mercury we played with when we were kids was perfectly safe even edible this is not like the deadly mercury of today
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just sort of
2: funny
0: the cigarettes they smoked the second world war no they didn't cause cancer the asbestos that they insulated with in the 50s no it didn't cause it was not it was the other stuff it's only when you go to take it out that it becomes a problem god
1: damn we did run mercury in our hands absolutely right?
0: yes i did it was yeah. about anybody else but i did because it was but cool.
1: in 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 science class, wasn't it? Like in the lab. Yeah. What were they teaching?
0: Well, they only got annoyed if you dropped it because it just went everywhere (laughs) and they had to buy more. (laughs) That's the only thing that they cared about. Uh.
2: (laughs) All right. And that's uh, our listener mail. Well, thanks for that, listeners.
0: Appreciate the mail. Always appreciate mail. We haven't heard from uh, Jesse for quite a while. I I was just thinking that if you love our fantastic opening and closing music, It's by Voodoo Jazz of Montreal. Listener Jesse of Montreal plays with them. Use it with permission so we're not just stealing it. Those guys, a lot of great music. And love them for
1: letting us use it too.
2: KJ, you got snappers for us today?
1: I just have two little things. One word is interlocutor.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, someone who gets themselves in the middle in a way gets in between two people connecting or?
0: I think it's just middleman, isn't it?
2: I thought it was kind of like somebody who positions themselves in the middle of two people who could have otherwise just done just fine, so there's sort of an unwanted or
0: redundant maybe, middleman, maybe. But that's just a feel. Yeah, I thought it was just middleman. I don't know though. Uh, you got anything for us? Uh, no, I. Uh, this is one of those we needed to know. We should have known. Well, we're gonna go in and have a look here. We're gonna look it up. <clears throat> so our two opinions are unwanted middleman and just plain old middleman. So is it QTOR?
2: Qtor.
0: And God only knows what Latin that's from, but it's
2: for sure from Latin. Okay. Well. Are we a, wrong? A person who takes part in a dialogue or conversation. Wanted or not. That's a little weird if you ask me. That could be a two-way dialogue, so it could be one of two parties yeah. in a conversation. I don't get that at all.
1: Uh, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> no, No, people, they use it specifically, it seems to me. When somebody uses that word, it's not… Just somebody having a conversation. That's it's,
0: what you would think, but the literal definition suggests that. Uh, so you've uh, got to look for uh, what's that?
2: Definition two is even more interesting, though. It's very specific, definition two, in a specific context. A man in the middle of the line in a minstrel show who questions the end men and acts as a leader. As leader.
1: So he's in a minstrel show. He's kind of. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't so, know. Why, so why there's a line of men in a men's minstrel show. I I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a minstrel show. Just seen photos of blackface people. Well, he's like the
0: straight man, and he asks the guys in the end mm-hmm. questions, and they give him snappy
2: answers. The, oh, it's all can they little com- comedic. Yeah. So yeah. he acts as a straight man, and he's yeah. also the leader, which makes sense because like in Rowan and Martin, who's the funny guy and who's the straight yeah. man? The straight man is kind of like the boss, kind of like. Tommy and Dick Smothers. Yeah. Um the straight guy is Dick, right? Yeah. And he's the boss. Like he Yeah, he keeps the thing uh, moving and he So he
1: would be the, the interlocutor because he's the leader? I guess.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The straight man would be the leader, yeah.
1: What are what are um what's it is it called Morris men? You know oh. there's a celebration where guys dress up, I think it's a Welsh celebration but well, that's what i when i think of minstrels i think of wow <laughs> you know i don't i don't go blackface and that kind i go kind of british or sort of old old english old
2: oh yeah that's yeah that's right that's the first thing i think of in minstrel show is the us version the racist yeah, kind of version but it but it has a deeper history doesn't it
1: yeah and and that's where all the those kooky variety shows in Britain in the fifties, they all sort of came out of that. Like, like vaudeville came out of that. Right.
2: Okay. Here's the Cambridge dictionary. So we'll get, we'll get more of a UK slant here. And the first definition is like the others. It says someone who is involved in a conversation. But the second one is someone who is involved in a conversation and who is representing someone else. So your lawyer
0: would be your interlocutor in the legal process.
2: Right. And Abraham was able to act as interpreter and interlocutor for our group. Interlocutor, I mean.
1: Maybe I got that from suits.
2: Oh, sounds right. It's not a word that sort of comes up. That's a good snapper.
0: Yeah, that is one.
1: Um, The other one is just something that has always bugged me. I don't know if I've ever said this before, but... The phrase, the wages of sin is death, drives me crazy. Why is it not the wages of sin are death?
2: No, but I've always had problems with the same thing. Wages is a subject.
1: Wages is plural.
2: Wages is plural. Death is the object. Death is singular. And so that's the problem in all of these things. I often, when I'm writing, I'm going, is, then I go, no, are, And I realize that I'm applying it. I'm choosing which of those two to apply it to. So in your case, you're going, well, clearly wages, right? But is is existence. It's equivalent. And so you're saying this is equivalent to that. And you would think that you could apply is to either, right? Is death.
1: Like, why wouldn't they say the wage of sin is death? Crickets. Crickets. Because if you say the wage
0: of sin is death, does that imply that one sin equals death?
1: Like it equals no heaven. Oh, so wages is cumulative?
0: Yeah, like you can have a whole bunch of sins, the wages, and you get paid for those sins eventually by death, by never having
2: everlasting life after death. What is a wage? It's payment. So... If I have a job and someone's going to pay me my wages and I work for precisely two weeks and I'm paid every two weeks and I'm only given one check at the end of that two weeks because I quit my job, am I going to say thank you for the wage? No, no, (laughs) no, no. Because your, your
0: wages are the sum of the time you worked at a given wage. Yeah, so what? So if you work for $100 a week for two weeks, you get wages Uh, of $200. If you work for
2: $6
0: an hour for X hours, you get wages of blah, blah, blah. So wage is the
2: pay rate. Yeah. Wages is the sum total of the money paid at that pay rate or at whatever pay rates were in effect. Roger, all that. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Now let's get back to... Yeah,
0: the wages of sin thing, I made those up. I hear you because it... Clangs on the ear something fierce. Like it's, the wages of sin are, the wages of sin are death. The wages of sin is death. Either way, it sucks. And if you said the wage of sin is death, it also makes you think you're getting paid in death for sin. And yeah.
1: you no, know, it's funny to, to say wages of sin are death. Sounds just as odd. Yeah, because
2: it, it sucks either way. So I'm going with KJ on the wages of sin. The wages are. The wages are death.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you, RJ. Thank you. Yep.
2: And the snow are falling.
0: <laughs> no, the snowflakes are falling. You could never say the snowflakes is falling.
2: Right, because the snow is a collective now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Actually, I, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I think that wages of sin thing just doesn't make any sense.
2: Listeners, if any of you know who's in charge of these things.
1: But there's, you know, there's so many sayings from the Bible. There, there isn't others that bounce out like that one for some reason.
0: So that one's from the Bible, oh, is it? Because you've got to spend more time with your Bible.
1: That's oh, when... rats. <laughs> Busted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, there are a whole bunch, and it is, a lot of it is, you know, antiquated versions of English. It's like reading Shakespeare or something. Yeah, yeah There's yeah, a whole bunch of stuff of it, in Shakespeare yeah. that's
1: nutty. No, no, when you drive up to the lake, you come into uh, Grand Forks. And just as you come down the big hill there in the Grand Forks, this one farmer right there has two big billboards about Jesus and if you love him or not. And if you don't, tough luck, buddy. But one of them is The Wages of Sin is Death. They change quite often. So that's why it was in my head this week.
2: Do you think that of all those things that you see, the billboards... I guess in general, but let's just pick on religious billboards. Do you do you think that people driving by go? Oh, I think there must be more to religion than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Or or is it really like if you're religious, you go good. I'm glad that signs there, but if you're not religious, you're just whatever. You're just going to drive past Well, That's what
1: they're hoping is that you're going to catch somebody. Like like all
0: advertising, right? Yeah. The obvious answer is 99% of everybody falls into one of the two categories you just described. Yes. And Moby's correct. They're hoping to catch that other 1% that's, that's kind of, you know, they were brought up a certain way and they, then they kind of, they're on the edge and then they see the thing they, oh, oh God. Oh, that's true. I got, I got to, I got to go to, you know, they, they want. Yeah.
2: I guess somewhere. that's the way, I guess that's the way advertising works in general is yeah. you're going to draw more people that are just on the edge. They're just thinking of it. They're already prone to it. And now you can pull them in. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: And, uh, the J dubs at your door They're they know that they don't get too many, but once in a while Every somebody pays while. attention and yeah, uh, maybe they'll take you up on that boys.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we should go into marketing for stuff like that. You know, I was thinking of, of the wages of as that, If you don't love Jesus, you're an idiot. How about that we go that way? So (laughs) people you know, that it tends to address a larger audience than, you know, one that's just looking for the one percent. Just address one whole half of the audience that you're hoping to (laughs) change their mind. You're
2: yeah. You'd kinda like polarize them and (laughs) make them angry at you. Yeah, well
0: maybe, or else some of them would say I never thought of it that way. It is kind of stupid to not love Jesus. What do you ever do to me? I'm going in on Sunday. That's it. I'm going in. I don't think that would actually happen. But if anybody wants to pay me for that Sterling idea for their uh, backyard billboard, uh, I'd be happy to receive your alms.
2: I've been meaning to let the next Jehovah's witness in. I keep thinking about it and I, I really should just spend some time. Why? Well, I mean, my goal would be to actually convert them
0: to what? Do you know away?
2: Yeah. Away from religion in general, if possible, but, but at the very least to get them to just to push some buttons. I mean, the questions that I'd ask and I really would want to kind of think about it ahead of time, you know, it's kind of like marmite, you know. <laughs> make a few notes here. But uh yeah, it would be along the lines of let's let's talk about all the predictions that have been made by the Jehovah's Witnesses as to specific dates that the world's going to end. And uh oh, I think the first question is when do you believe the world's going to end? Cuz I think they can give you a date if you ask them. Oh,
1: and uh, are they the ones where there's 144,000 who will enjoy the rapture and they get
2: maybe, maybe so,
1: uh, or is, uh, that could be uh, the the Latter Day Saints or a, a sect of the Latter Day Saints,
2: and that's Mormonism. Yeah, right? yeah. But I,
1: I know somebody believes that whatever the rapture is, 144,000 heading skyward
0: doesn't that kind of argue against. Wouldn't your first question in that case be, well, how many of you guys are there already? Yeah. Oh, a million. Well, I'm not going anywhere. Then am I? Get lost. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I'm not getting raptured. What
2: makes you think you're part of the 144,000?
0: <laughs> yeah, Jack.
2: <laughs> yeah, anyway, so it would be asking them when they think the world's going to end. And then kind of in advance, you'd want to already know the various predictions they've had that the world's going to end and the dates and just yes, but you can you can pretty much already predict what their answer is going to
0: be, right? What? Not not the specific date answer, uh-huh. but their response answer is just going to be, well, you got to have faith. The Lord works in mysterious ways, and we've been led to believe stuff. Some mm-hmm. of it hasn't been correct. Well, every we single time
2: it sim- hasn't been true. We have to simply
0: continue to believe because that's what we're directed to do.
2: Yeah, anyway, I want to work work over that whole that whole thing, and I mean, you have to think it through and. I think I could get practice, you know, each time you let them in, you're going to fail the first few times, but after a while, I I think I can uh, catch, catch one or two. Uh,
0: Maybe. I think, I think you're, I just think you're coming at it from a rational worldview, right? And belief is not at all rational. It's belief is an emotional thing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. appealing to their rational mind, look, you've been wrong a hundred times. When are you going to get over it? Yeah. That's that's no. rational talk. That's just out yeah. there. That's the devil. Uh it's you can only believe Yeah. and you got to believe belief. And it's No, I think you, I think you're totally right.
2: You're totally right, of... but if you listen to someone talk who has those sorts of beliefs, all the things that they say sound like they're trying to reason Yeah, you, oh yeah. reason you into it. Yes. But Be- at the very end of it it's like actually none of those reasons really matter. Oh,
0: and it, and it is a hundred percent also the case with uh you know, conspiracy theorists. Good God, how many conspiracy theories have been a thousand percent debunked and more just come along? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that that condo that collapsed in Florida, there's already been somebody on Twitter, some national feed, one of either Fox or somewhere saying the Democrats had something to do with it because they found out that QAnon leaders were housed in that.
2: I think it was the Masons. Uh, just whatever.
0: But you know what I mean? Like, it's just. <laughs> the Masons built structures, right? Like, so you would <laughs> you would sort of think after a while that it would occur to you to think, none of this stuff seems to be coming true. Is somebody manufacturing all these theories? Why would they be? I, I did send my donation. Like, could that be all it's a, you know, you would think that would happen, but it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is because it's not a rational th- thought process. It's an emotional thought process. And the real question is, what is the emotional need that's being met? And is there some more constructive way for us collectively
2: to meet it? I'll tell you who's okay. been inventing all the conspiracy theories. I'll lay it on me. The Illuminati.
0: You know, nice. I hate to say this. <laughs> But I have recently been exposed to a number of websites that do go in some detail uh, through the origin and current existence of Jacobins, Illuminati, uh, Freemasons, Masons in general, and how they are running the world for various evil, nefarious purposes. And the website is hosted by a guy who calls himself Friar So-and-so. He's never been a friar of anything He's been debunked very, you know, like that stuff. You say it like everybody's going to laugh. We're going to laugh when we say Illuminati because to us, come on. It's the stonemasons, you know, from the Simpsons.
2: It's the Illuminati. It's the stone who comes every Oscar night. The joke, of course, being that a conspiracy theory that. Someone invented conspiracy theories. That's my little recursion there, skin. <laughs> nice. I think it just kind of sailed right past you. Did, I'm
1: curious that, that you're looking That's at that nice. skinny. Yeah, I stopped by and saw Mike.
2: Well, he had a torn retina. PJ, you had one of those, didn't you? A couple. Yeah. So about a week, uh, about three, four days ago. Oh. He, I think he woke up from a sleep and his left eye was cloudy. Ooh. And he saw the optometrist and the optometrist said, I can't really figure out much. You better go see the ophthalmologist. And he went in to see the ophthalmologist, I think later the same day, maybe. And he goes, yeah, yes. you got a little retinal tear there. I think we should uh, just do a little surgery right now. Are you okay with that? And Mike goes, sure. And yeah, so they did it right then and there, the laser. Um, wow. In trail? Yeah, I guess it's in trail. Geez, I'm really glad to hear you he can have that done there. I, I meant to ask him, where did you get this done? Because it didn't sound like he traveled anywhere for it.
0: Well, like I ended up at the, you know, probably the best place in this province, at least. It's that eye center down by VGH, right? Those guys, all they do all day, every day, is fix people's eyeballs yeah. one way or another. They're just pros. And I just, I quite. Quite often over the period of a couple of years where I was having those, I thought to myself, thank God I don't live in Rossland or someplace because those things, if you don't attend to them pretty quick, you lose the vision, right? The yeah. retina, once it fully detaches, you're yeah. done. It's yeah, over. you're done.
2: Yeah. So, so I just find it remarkable that a laser can be used to stitch, basically stitch the retina back just on. It welds it back in. Yeah. And I guess, I guess there's a focal length to it. Cause I can't imagine that you can be out by a millimeter. Yeah, I doubt it. I you don't know, you know how to be, they, you gotta be to the nearest 10th t- yeah. of a millimeter probably. Well, and the temperature must be so, so accurate. And the tem- Yeah. Cause the temperature has got to be okay. 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 And now bang yeah. here, it's super hot here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. I,
0: I, I, me too. I mean, on the receiving end, all it is, is just this ridiculously incomprehensibly bright light. Like, it doesn't even make sense as light because yeah. it just overwhelms your whole I, everything.
2: I would right? be terrified. I'd be most worried that my eye would move. Well, they just don't seem to care about that. Like, by the they time they
1: get... They don't you, don't they? Well, yeah, they, they, they get give yeah.
0: you the drops and they <laughs> prop your eyelids out of the way, but I don't know how they... I, I don't know. I don't know how they deal with that movement thing, but you're so... You, because you just can't... You have no way of... Knowing whether your eye is oriented any direction because your vision, when they put that bright a light onto your retina, it just overloads everything yeah. in your brain processes. Yeah. just, wow. I don't know what's going on there. And uh, it never occurred to me to worry about my eyeball moving. The guy just said, "Man, it's good. Dude, dude, dude. And after about three dudes, you couldn't detect the difference between light and dark anymore. So I'm really pleased they have that available to guys in the interior. That's good we're done we're finally at the end of another one we hope that was fun for you guys Uh, we enjoyed ourselves we're in the shed again at long last and maybe we sound more like ourselves i don't know as you've listened to the episode i'm sure you've been thinking to yourself i actually liked that pre-written introduction i wish you'd do that more often or maybe you're thinking, that was the weirdest thing PG's ever done. And he's done a lot of pretty strange stuff on there. I don't know. Let me know one way or the other. The other thing I mentioned during this episode that I do want you to go away and think about is the idea that we interview somebody that you want to have their life story recorded. It has to be just anybody. doesn't have to be someone you're related to. doesn't even have to be an interesting story. It just has to be a story you would like to have preserved. Because we'll do it. We think it would be fun. And we think we have the skills to pay them bills. So do it. Get that person in touch with us. Get yourself in touch with us so we can set it all up. And we'll make that happen. I think it would be good for everyone. Meantime, take care of that person and yourself. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. RJ, wake up. Uh, (laughs) That was it. That was goodbye from the show.